Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 17 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear on this podcast, I ask that you please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up with our guest, Christina, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Christina Swalla holds a master's degree in civil engineering from UNLV and is a program manager for the city of Las Vegas, and prior to that owned her own consulting company and also was a lead transportation policy advisor in Washington, D.C. for a United States senator. Christina is also the president for the American Society of Civil Engineers and is an active community volunteer. Welcome to the show, Christina. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Hey, Jeff, thank you for having me. I uh, really appreciate being on here. And uh, as you mentioned, I have a degree from UNLV. I also have an undergrad degree in civil engineering from the University of Arizona. I'm an active community volunteer, as you mentioned, and really have gotten a lot out of that um, by being able to engage with my community, which helps me do better designs as I work through my career. I'm married and I have four dogs. All right. Awesome. We have one dog and one is enough. I couldn't imagine four. (laughs) So, Christina, for someone not familiar with civil engineering, can you give some examples of career opportunities? So civil engineering offers a wide range of career opportunities for anyone interested. You can be involved in supporting community development through site design, whether that's residential development or commercial development. You can be involved in uh, water resources by providing potable water, uh, collecting and treating wastewater, managing flood waters during storm events. You can be involved in um, building structures, whether that's through analyzing the earth underneath and providing recommendations on what to do to the to the ground to make sure that it can support the structure or building the building itself, designing the engineering so the building will stand. And you can be involved in transportation where you're identifying and developing strategies to make sure that people and goods get to where they want to go in a safe and efficient manner. And then you can also go to the other side and be on the operation side and the maintenance side. It's a really broad career with lots of opportunities. So for someone in high school that's thinking about civil engineering, you know, they they think about building roads. Is there anything they could do in high school to help educate themselves on what is out there for civil engineering? So if you're thinking about going into the engineering as a, as a student in school, I would encourage you to um, talk to, um, go out, go to your city, go to a public meeting, watch a city council meeting and kind of listen to the stuff that they talk about. A lot of the stuff that they're talking about at a city council meeting has to do with what we design. Um, I would also encourage them to ride the bus or ride the rail if there's a rail system. So you understand sort of how how those systems work and how they feel for the users. Um, Those are great ways to um, get engaged with the community, but also really interact with our infrastructure and, and understand, you know, a little bit more about it. For someone in civil engineering or a high school student heading off and thinking about civil engineering, you gave a whole bunch of options that are out there as a civil engineer. Do you have to specialize during school, during the four-year degree in one of those areas, or is it pretty broad and you can come out and then kind of focus on what you want to do? So the degree program is fairly broad, but during your junior and senior year, there is an opportunity to get a little more specialized in one of those areas. However, that specialization doesn't 
prevent or preclude you from going into a different direction once you graduate. When I was in school, I chose to focus on transportation. Uh, It still is my passion today. And at the time, that's what my focus was. But when I graduated, I couldn't find a job doing that. So I ended up doing some water resources engineering and flood control work. Um, And that broadened my experience. Ultimately, I have done a little bit of flood control. I've done some traffic. I've done some site design. I've done a lot of different things. And I frequently talk to students or, or recently graduated students who had similar experiences where they focused on one area. Sometimes they focus on that area and find that it's, it's not really them. And so they choose when they graduate to do something else. And sometimes they, they really like it and they just don't find that opportunity once they graduate. So you do specialize a little bit, but it doesn't preclude you from being flexible once you graduate. And how important is it to get a master's degree? So you've got an undergrad in civil and a, a master's degree in civil engineering. How important is that master's degree? For me, the master's degree was critical, and I believe that for many engineers today, it is critical. There are some fields within civil engineering where to get a job, they're actually starting to require that you have a master's degree. Um, Structural engineering and geotech engineering are both um, career fields within our broader spectrum that do basically require that master's degree. But others are really starting to get there and, and asking that their students have it or their or their employees have it, they're also helping to pay for it. I found when I got my master's degree, it helped me um, get that depth in flood control that I didn't have as an undergrad. It also gave me a lot more depth in transportation, and it helps me today, helped me then differentiate myself, and it helps me today think about problems differently. I think it's critical. So it sounds like you can you can get out with your four-year degree, go get a, a job someplace, and it sounds like possibly the company might pay for your for your master's degree. In many cases, employers are paying for at least a portion, if not all, of the master's degree, yes. Okay, thanks for that. So now let's get specific in, into what is your specific area of expertise. So as I mentioned, I don't know that I have a specific expertise. I I do a lot of different things. I've done some some work in flood control and, and that element of water resources um, and for a community that was rapidly growing. And so we really needed to look at every, every site, had to look at what the flood control aspects of that site was. I've done some very specific traffic work similar to flood control where you're looking at a new development and you're trying to figure out what what new trips will be generated? How many more people will be driving because of this new development? And how are we going to mitigate for those trips? How are we going to make sure that the roads can handle that? And then I've done um, site development. So the bigger picture on that. So I've done the flood control, the traffic, but then also the grading and finding the utilities and delivering the utilities to that specific new site. And today I work at the city of Las Vegas. So I'm overseeing a lot of projects that are meant to meet our community needs. Some of those are sanitary sewer projects. There's trails, there's roads, there's flood control projects. So the broad spectrum of, of city infrastructure. And you also were a transportation policy advisor in D.C. Can you expound upon that a little bit? Yes, I had a fantastic opportunity to work in Washington, D.C. and help provide transportation policy advice for a United States senator. It was a unique way of using my degree and my background to help shape legislation. A lot of what we build in the built environment, so whether it's roads or sewer or water, is shaped by regulations that are created by laws that are 
proposed and, and voted on by the legislators, by the elected, by the senators and the congressmen. And I was able to work in that environment and help shape those laws based on my knowledge and understanding of how they would impact the practice and how they might be able to improve or hinder development of projects. All right. Thanks for that overview, Christina. And now we're going to change gears here a little bit and get very specific on one thing that has you really fired up in the civil engineering world. Right now, I am really fired up about the future of our communities and solving the challenges that we're going to face tomorrow. The global population today is roughly 7 billion people. It's a little over that. And it's anticipated that um, in the next 20 years, we'll be at roughly 9 billion people. And most of those people are going to be in cities. And in the United States, our cities have current infrastructure that much of which has been built 50 to 100 years ago. So it's aging, it's deteriorating, and it wasn't designed for these additional people that are moving to our cities. And then outside of the United States and in the developing countries, some of them don't have the infrastructure yet to meet the needs of their communities, much less the needs of tomorrow. So I'm super excited to see how we as civil engineers will be able to um, really step up into leadership roles and help decide how the infrastructure gets built in the future, what infrastructure gets built, and how we can best build our communities to meet their needs. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a little twist in here with the autonomous vehicles, right? And we're heading down a path where, you know, we may not be driving. Is that going to impact the road development in the civil engineering world? Yeah, autonomous vehicles are going to have a huge impact on our communities and on how we build our infrastructure. The challenge is, is really figuring out which direction it might go. It could be that autonomous vehicles really, um, when we're not driving, we start using shared vehicles. Maybe we don't own as many vehicles and uh, we have excess capacity because there's just not as much. You know, the, They can drive closer to each other. It's safer so there's not um, crash congestion. It could be that. On the other hand, if it doesn't matter anymore how long my commute is because I'm able to work the whole time I'm commuting, maybe now I'm okay living further out. Maybe I'm okay doing more trips. So maybe all of a sudden we actually have more cars and more traffic. So autonomous vehicles are really going to be a challenge for us today as we look at the policies that we derive around them. But it, they'll also be a great opportunity for moving forward to address challenges. Yeah, I think because probably within the next 15 to 20 years, it's going to probably be in full force. And if you're trying to do city planning and road planning now, it, it takes many years to build that infrastructure. So hopefully we're getting it right, but I guess we'll find out in 15 to 20 years. And the key is that we have to be engaged in those conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Hey, we're going to switch over to an aha moment. Christina, if you could take us to a moment in time of an incredible aha moment you've had at work or your personal life and tell us a story and how you turn that aha moment into success. I've been thinking about this aha moment and I'm not sure that I have one specific aha moment. It's been sort of a career aha as we graduate from college, in college and as we graduate, we're taught to solve the problem. And we're given a problem, and so you look at the problem and you solve the problem. But over time, I realized that what's critical for us in civil engineering, we are a people-serving profession. And so we need to 
consider the people as we solve the problem. And sometimes we might be solving the wrong problem and we need to talk to our communities and make sure we ask them questions so we can make sure that we're addressing the right problem. It might be a little bit challenging to understand, but um, there's multiple solutions to every challenge. And so the more we engage with our communities, the more we step back and understand that our solutions may impact different communities differently, the better solution will develop. What's an example of solving the wrong problem? Well, I don't know that it's necessarily solving the wrong problem, but it's how you might approach it. In a community, a lot of times we build, we'll use transportation as an example. We've been looking at congestion as the way you solve congestion is you add additional lanes. So you add additional lanes and there's less congestion, right? There's more room for the cars that are on the road. One of the things we've been learning over time, though, is that by doing that, sometimes by adding more lanes, you make it easier to drive on that road so more cars come and then your road is congested again. So you build more lanes, more people come, and more congestion. That makes sense. Right. And so you, if you step back and say, what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to move more people? Are we trying to move more freight? you might come up with a different solution. So let's transition here into a topic that's front and center on STEM Nation. They're finishing up junior, senior, and high school, and they're heading off to college. So if you could go back to when you're 18, what do you wish you knew back then as you're heading off to college? Something that would help our STEMers launch into college successfully. <laughs> Stay on top of everything. Don't get behind. And sometimes it's it feels like you're treading water and you are falling behind, but the better you can do to stay on top, the, the better you'll do. Um, get your sleep. <laughs> I, uh, I learned that probably later in school, um, but sleep matters. Um, and get involved. It's, it's good to get involved with your professional society. So if you're looking at going into civil engineering, to get involved with the American Society of Civil Engineers student chapter, but then also get involved in other things. Have a, have a broad background, broad interest area. It'll help you develop your leadership skills. It'll help you approach problems differently, and it will make you stand out. Talking about the American Society of Civil Engineers, ASCE, can you join that as a high school student, or do you have to wait till college or your professional career? You have to wait till college to join, but we do have some uh, ASCE high school groups, um, but they're not membership groups. Okay. So let's turn our attention now to the skills or attributes you think are needed for STEMers to launch from college into their careers. I think it's great when a student has an internship that really helps. But then beyond that, I think as you launch into your career, the most important thing is to be open, um, to be willing and to be curious. And so as you get that first job to ask questions, not be afraid of doing so. I think sometimes as a junior uh, staff member in the office, you're afraid to ask questions. But in a good office, they're going to embrace the question. They're going to be willing to answer that to help you develop along your path. Ask to attend meetings. I think sometimes as professionals, we get so busy, we forget to bring people along. So ask to attend and get involved. Don't just get involved with the professional society, but get involved with your office. If they have lunches, go to the lunches and get to know your peers. And again, just ask questions, be curious, be willing to do what it takes. 
Yes, STEM Nation, do not be afraid to ask questions. Ask as many questions, and you're going to find that the people you're working with will be more than happy to answer them. We're going to take a quick pause here and thank our sponsor, Audible, who is offering a free audiobook. So you can head over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com to get your free audiobook. And we are now going to launch into the lightning round. Christina, are you ready? I am. All right. Hey, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Say yes. Say yes. What do you mean by that? So it actually goes to something very high schooly, um, back to prom. Actually, my mom. Um, I was waiting to, you know, be asked to prom, and I got asked, and my mom said, "Say yes." And she told me not to wait to see if I might get a better offer or a different offer, but to say yes. And I think that that has actually changed how I approach life in general. Um, when an opportunity presents itself, I say yes. And that has really guided me through life and created a lot of open doors as a result. And what is a personal habit that contributes to your success? I would say running and fitness. Um, running for several different reasons. Uh, first, it gives me a chance to really just kind of clear my head and um, start the day fresh, you know, with a little bit of adrenaline and some thinking. It also helps me consider challenges, you know, so if there's something that I'm really chewing on or toying with or not sure what to do with, I can consider that while I'm running and a lot of times answers will come. But then also it helps me connect. It helps me connect with the with my community where I'm at when I'm running. I get to see my neighborhood and, and see what's changing. But when I'm on the road traveling, I get to see other communities. I get to, to be a tourist. I get to see, to see where I'm visiting on a different level. And a lot of times I come back with new solutions um, for my job. I see how the engineers in that community applied the same concepts differently and maybe came up with a better outcome. So running, uh, running helps me in a lot of different ways. And what is your favorite internet resource or phone app and why? I would have to say right now, Facebook. Again, multiple reasons on that. It, it helps me connect to friends and family and um, across, across the world. Uh, some that I've known for a really long time and some that I'm just now meeting but that I, who I wouldn't be able to connect with otherwise. So it helps me with that connection. But then I also get a lot of information from it on what's going on in the world. And so I probably Facebook would be my, my favorite right now. Christina, what's one book you would recommend to STEM Nation and why? I don't have one book. I am a pretty prolific reader when I have the time. And so I would offer... Um, Read, read, just read, whether it's leadership books or other books of personal interest, uh, read. A couple books I've read or one book that I've read recently that I um, really enjoyed was Boys on the Boat. It um, was very inspirational. It's about the World War II, uh, World War II era crew team that um, won the Olympics and just gives you perspective on what some people have to go through to be successful. And it also had a little bit of engineering in it. All right, Christina, thanks for all that. You've provided tons of value to STEM Nation, but we're going to ask for one more. So as we wrap up here, can you provide a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation? And then we'll say goodbye. I would say that you have lots of choices out in this world. And with an engineering degree, you have lots of flexibility. 
keep that in mind, embrace the opportunities as they come, and you will have a really bright future. All right. Thanks, Christina. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today with Christina. Head on over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. And again, if you are getting value from this podcast, please share it with a friend. Tune in next week where we talk with David, who is a chemical engineer who works on an offshore rig. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.